Susan. Jordan. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Aside one. from beating me in basketball yesterday. <laughs> the, that was like, you know, you know that movie called Miracle? That's kind of what that oh, was. I don't think it was a miracle. I think that was the beginning of a new era of basketball in which you win. Because now you've been practicing more. I have been practicing more. Susan got a basketball hoop at her house. We yes. like It's like the office basketball that yeah. you hang it up you on the You got it for me. And I, it, it's been so much fun. I am actually practicing every day yeah and you've every gotten day. really good at it which is very discouraging to me because because <laughs> uh, i did not like losing I, I tried to not lose at all costs but um you did you pulled out a lot of stops there not to lose you did <laughs> it almost worked uh okay so for anyone who doesn't know susan is my co-coach in the inner circle uh, we've been doing it together for years now, and uh, actually, right now, it's uh, so it's the 10-year anniversary from when I started Syatt Fitness. I started Syatt Fitness in my dorm room in college 10 years ago this week, which is insane. Insane. So we are running a 10% discount if you want to join the Inner Circle. It's going to end by the end of this week, so if you want to do it, don't hesitate. I, I did a one... Uh, we did a, a birthday sale for my 30th birthday back in May, and then we're doing this one, and this, these are the only sales we've ever done. So yeah. if you want to do it, the link is in the show notes. It is Anniversary 10. The code that you use at checkout is Anniversary 10 if you want to sign up to, for the Inner Circle with a 10% discount. And uh, and yeah, the rest of the podcast, we're going to do an open Q&A. Got some pretty good questions yep. from, from Instagram. Let's do it. Before we dive into those questions, you just want to tell people where they can follow you? Sure. Uh, Susan Niebergall Fitness, probably just about everywhere. Uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, I have a podcast as well, the Strong and Lean at NEH podcast, and we record on my podcast every other month, um, and uh, along with other podcasts. Uh, podcast there um i am on facebook and a little bit of twitter and i wrote a book it's called this uh, it's called uh, fit at any age it's never too late and you can get that on amazon i love it all right let's see so we got a, a good amount of questions here we'll see how many we can get through yeah um let's start with this here's a good question susan do you have mm. planned times where you eat or do you just do it randomly that's a good question and i don't I would say I lean more towards planned times, not it's 12 noon, I have to eat kind of thing. I'm not that rigid. Mm. But I, I have kind of figured out a time frame in the morning that I like to get like meal number one in, a time frame in the afternoon, and then our dinner time at home is usually kind of in the same you know, time frame as well. So if that's, I don't have an exact time, but I do keep consistent with when I eat. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. There, there are many, many benefits of this, not least of which, like, we could just go to the old, like, the old cliche of, like, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah, yeah, thing. absolutely. It's one, if, you're, if you're just doing it randomly throughout the day, you're leaving a lot up to chance. Um, if we want to get more physiological with it, um, planning your meals, like having a time frame of when you eat, it can be very helpful for your hunger, right? Because your hunger hormones they work on a schedule, right? So it, it, I always use this example. If you've ever had like a, a big dinner, birthday dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, whatever it is, maybe maybe you have it at like lunchtime, you have it at noon, right? You have a big, big meal and you're so stuffed and you're so full and afterwards you're like, there's no way I'm ever gonna eat, eat again. ever again, like I can't. But then <laughs> yep. like within two or three hours, you're like, oh my God, my fat ass is hungry again. Like how is that possible? <laughs> yep. 
And that's yeah. because your hunger hormones work on a schedule. And so when you have a, a routine time frame that you eat, then your hunger hormones, it takes anywhere between like two to four weeks, depending on the person, but about two to four weeks of a consistent schedule, and you'll be able to start predicting when your hunger is going to start kicking in, which can, for obvious reasons, be very helpful. Sure. If you know when you're going to get hungry then, and you have this pre-planned time frame, then you can avoid oftentimes getting ravenously hungry out of nowhere. Um, so for me, I, and I think the, the phrase that you used, which was time frame, is one of the most important here. Because same thing with calories. A lot of times people are like, okay, well, you have to hit 2,000 calories. It's like, no, like let's make it a range of 1,900 to 2,100. Yeah. That way you can fall anywhere within that and you're still good. Same, like if you say, okay, well, I have to eat breakfast at 8 a.m., but then you eat it at 8.30, all of a sudden you feel like a failure. But if you have a 7.30 to 9.30 time frame that you can have your first meal in, it radically increases your chance of success mm -hmm. and it makes it much more doable. Yeah, and you know, a great example of the hunger hormones, I, I remember when I did uh, some intermittent fasting, Mm. way back with the inner when I was a member of the inner circle early on mm. and we had that rotating weeks of intermittent fasting I had never done it before so I wanted to try and how my hunger hormones I had to stick with it for a while but they adjusted yeah. to that new schedule yeah. it was it was murder at the beginning because I was used to eating not first thing but close to first thing in the morning and now I wasn't eating until noon or 11 or whatever time it was mm. and um that part was tough at first, but you settle into it, you know, and, and they do adjust. Yeah, they, they do adjust. It's one, it's, it's actually, I sort of want to talk about intermittent fasting right now, like might as well talk about it because people are going to have questions. But um, when anyone starts trying to do intermittent fasting, the first one to two weeks are the most difficult because mm. they, if they're trying to push their first meal back and they're used to eating breakfast, then uh, obviously it can be a little bit difficult. But after one to two weeks, usually you get used to that new eating schedule and you'll find you're not hungry in the mornings anymore. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, what are your thoughts on the intermittent fasting, Susan? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is it the best thing in the world? Is it the worst thing in the world? Let's I, I think it's one of the most overrated things in the world, mm. to be honest with you. Because I think that, I don't know where some people get this, but there's, seems to be the thought out there that it's it's some sort of magic that will happen, right? Um, and then there's a misconception of you get to kind of eat whatever you want, right, in this little window of time, and it's kind of, If no. you just intermittent fast, yes, you, you can eat whatever you want. Whatever yeah. you want, and, and none of that's true. I had never done it, so I wanted to try it back then, and I, and I feel like, I think it could be very beneficial for someone whose schedule needed to, is, is such, and a teacher comes to mind that maybe they don't have time to eat a decent meal first thing in the morning mm -hmm. because they have to get up and go to school and they're right in class. But then their lunch time happens and mm -hmm. then they could start eating then. So from a scheduling perspective, it could be very helpful for some people. Um, aside from that, I, th I just didn't feel like there was anything great about it. Um, it, it, it just, it, I didn't like it to be honest with you. I'm, I'm one that likes to eat fairly close to when I get up in the morning yeah. and that's just me um, but I know other people whose schedules really are conducive to this and it's been helping them stay on track so I think from that perspective it could help people but you know I think there's also the point where it could encourage if you have a history of binge eating or something it could encourage some of that behavior with larger meals now because you have to squeeze everything in in a little bit shorter period of time um, so you know, I, I guess there, like anything, there's pros and cons, and you do if it if it fits well for you, cool. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's not inherently better or inherently worse. 
than not intermittent fasting, right? right. Like yeah. I think you're right in that. I would say in this time frame, it is it has become overrated um, because it's become like pretty mainstream now. Like you see all these like mainstream fitness publications talking about it, and usually they talk about it. They talk about like this magic of intermittent fasting that's going to uh, reset your metabolism yeah. or increase your catecholamine, so then like you end up you burn fat more effectively. Da 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 da. And they come up with this grandiose idea that if you just push back your first meal of the day, then all of a sudden you're gonna burn more fat, yeah. which is inaccurate. Um, it, I, I agree with you that if you struggle with binge eating, I think it's a really bad idea to try intermittent fasting because usually what binge, people who struggle with binge eating do is they restrict early on in the day so that they can eat more at night, which then perpetuates the binging cycle. So if anyone's struggling with binge eating, I do not recommend they do it. Yeah. On the other hand, like you said, there are other people uh, whether it's teachers or oftentimes, like I found nurses mm-hmm. who work crazy, crazy shifts. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, uh, intermittent fasting works well for them. I've worked with a number of truck drivers who will drive for like 16 hours straight, and like they it actually has worked very well for them. Um, and oftentimes, just like some busy parents, right? Yeah. Like you wake up, your kids are your kids are waking you up early. You're barely getting any sleep, and it's it's hard for you. Like you can make breakfast for them, but it's hard for you to prepare for yourself, and you don't just want to have like a, a protein bar. Sometimes it's easier just to wait until everyone's all settled and then you have your first meal around lunch um, again it's all about what's be- what works best for you and what people don't want to hear about that is like it's trial and error you have to try it yeah you know that as everything right I mean yes, as everything. everything and and then the well I don't want to waste time and we could go down that whole rabbit oh, hole yeah. I mean about, oh, yeah. no it, it, this is not a waste of time if this is something that you feel like might benefit you it will be well worth your time to figure out if it does or if it does not I don't understand what do you mean waste of yeah time? like let's go down that rabbit hole yeah what, what do you mean a waste of time like what what are you talking like how is yeah. it a waste of time to try and figure out what's what works for you because I think people have in their head and I think I was guilty of this too, that there's a a timeline expectation they have. Mm. Maybe self-imposed, maybe imposed from years of thinking that I should be losing weight at a rate of three pounds a week or whatever Mm. it is, that kind of belief. And it's irrational, it's unrealistic. And and so that drives like, okay, well then I'm already behind by Mm. a week if I try this for a week or two or something. But that getting that off your shoulders like this whole expectation of performance by a certain time frame and all that kind of stuff and then the should be's and I'm only and then mm. you know it just keeps going and going and going I think this is one of the things that that drives people to be like well what should I do when I'm on vacation yeah right it's like I get that question so much I do and too. it pisses yeah. me off because when you go on vacation you go on vacation yeah you, you're not like you don't ask your boss hey, how can I stay on track with my emails or vacation? You usually flip your boss off and say, you better not contact me over vacation. Same thing with fitness, like take a break. If you wanna work out because you feel better, great. If you wanna like moderate your portion control, fine, but still enjoy yourself, it's vacation. And I think people get worried because they're like, oh my God, I'm gonna go on vacation for a week and I'm gonna ruin all my progress and then I'm behind. It's like behind for what? What? Yeah. For what? Who are you behind? I mean, there's there's nothing or no one to be behind. It's not a race. No. If you're racing somebody, including yourself, you're screwing yourself over. There's no race. There's no finish line. This is like this is a lifelong thing that you're on, and when you understand that and internalize it, and then you start. Excuse me, I just burped. And then and then from and then you start. You understand that you internalize it, 
and then you start get, doing things with a trial and error focus to see what works best for you rather than just always looking for the best. Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone wants the best. They mm-hmm. want the best workout. They want the best nutrition plan. They want the best this, the, be- the best supplements. It's like, shut up. Mm-hmm. There is no best. There is no best. Like, there is no best. Obviously, we're going to say we think the inner circle is the best because it is. But Other reg- than that. Other than that. <laughs> but e- regardless, like, there are people in the inner circle who don't do the inner circle workouts. Yeah. And they get great results. Why? Because they're consistent with what they're doing. Yeah. They've tried it. Like some people in the inner circle, they do CrossFit. Some people in the inner circle, they do their own workouts. Some people have their own personal trainer, right? It's like, it's not like they're, they're getting amazing results because whatever it is they're doing, they're being consistent with it. Yeah. That's, that's what's important. It's finding what you enjoy and you can be consistent with, not finding the quote unquote best. Because you could have the best thing on paper, but if you don't like it and you can't follow it, then you're not going to get any results. At all. And I, I will say this, I feel like if you could get rid of that, if you can truly embrace the time, no timeline, no deadline, no rush, really, truly embrace that. And you will know when you do because a burden will be lifted from you that will give you a feeling I cannot adequately describe. Mm-hmm. It will change your life mm-hmm. because you will now be more present. Yep. You will now be able to enjoy things and not stress about going on vacation or whatever you're doing you're just gonna go have a great time and know that you're gonna hop back on track when you get back and that's it it will change your life but it's more than just saying okay i believe it <laughs> but, exactly I mean, yeah. and, and and in fairness it's probably not going to be easy just to drop it you know i mean you're gonna have to talk to yourself a little bit and uh, tell yourself to shut up several times along the yeah. way whatever and, and and kind of put your foot down but once you do your life will change Agreed. This is actually a good uh, segue into the next question. Uh, someone asked, why don't you recommend the keto diet? And I think this is like plays into sort of what we're talking about. Susan, why don't you recommend the keto diet? Because <laughs> I like carbs. Okay, I'll just start with that, okay? <laughs> so I just find it so limiting that it, for me personally, it is not a way of eating that I could see myself sticking with for the rest of my life. And I think that would be a real important question for anyone to ask themselves before you start any way of eating, whether it's keto or whatever, but in particular keto. Um, I just feel like it's not sustainable over a long period of time. And while if you know, the, there's a bunch of people that will say, I always go back to keto because it always works, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. And you know, we can talk about obviously why keto or any other diet works, it's all the same reason. But when you keep coming back to something, that tells me it hasn't, it really didn't work, right? Because mm-hmm. what's the point of doing something if it's not going to stay, if you can't maintain it? What's the point of that? rather than maybe doing something that's a little bit more moderate that can fit into your lifestyle a little bit better. You know, keto so limiting that impacts how you can go out to eat, maybe what you get, how you, where you go, social events. I mean, it's very impactful for your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, very inflexible to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I think you said it perfectly. I think a lot of the reason people will keep going back to keto because, as they say, quote, unquote, it works is because it produces very rapid weight loss. And the word choice here is very deliberate. I said weight loss, not fat loss. 
on the scale, you lose weight very, very quickly when you completely eliminate carbohydrates for two main reasons. Number one, because if you completely eliminate an entire macronutrient, then you are going to be eating fewer calories. So you'll be in a calorie deficit, most likely, especially at the beginning. Uh, but the most important reason it happens so quickly early mm -hmm. on is because carbohydrates really hold on to water. And I actually made a whole thing on this on Instagram recently that got a way better response than I expected. Um, I literally I took a piece of bread and I put water on the counter and I scooped up the water with the bread and the water was gone and it was all in the bread. And then I squeezed the bread and all the water came out and people were like, oh my God, <laughs> I didn't realize. Like that's what carbs do in your body. Obviously it's not that simple. There's, there's more in-depth processes going on here, but carbohydrates hold on to water in the same way a dry sponge will hold, or a wet sponge, like a dry sponge, you put it in water, it's gonna soak it all up. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when you stop eating carbohydrates, well, what happens? Your body lets go of all that water. It's not just getting rid of carbs, it's getting rid of water along with it, and you lose weight very quickly. But the same people who say, oh yeah, I always go back to it because it works so well, then they get frustrated because the weight, the rapid weight loss will stop just as quickly as it started. Yeah. And what's going on? Like, What is happening in that time frame? It, they lose 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds super fast, and then there's like a, a pause, and they think it's a plateau. Mm -hmm. They think they've plateaued and it's no longer working for them anymore. No, what's going on is you've lost all of those extra stores of water, and now you're actually switching to actual fat loss. Right, and it makes it much more difficult now because you've eliminated carbohydrates, you don't enjoy the diet anymore, mm -hmm. and also not to mention, once you've been doing it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, oftentimes people will, lose, will, will start eating fewer calories because they don't know what foods they can have. But once they start doing it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, they've learned what foods they can eat a lot of, and then they put themselves in a calorie surplus, and they start gaining weight even though they're doing keto. Like, what is what is going on? You're not in a calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. So it really boils comes comes back to, you have to do what you think you can sustain forever. Yeah. This is it, my brother. I'm blown away with recently. Oh, it, it, amazing. I think I'm gonna have to have him on on this podcast. My yes. brother has struggled with his weight his whole life. Uh, his name is Lee Syatt. You can look him up on Instagram. He's literally the kindest, sweetest guy in the world. Uh, struggled with his weight his whole life. Um, done a lot of extreme things to try and lose weight. Done like juice cleanses and detoxes and all that stuff. And um, we could talk about you know our relationship. We didn't talk for the better part of a decade. We like really only recently started to reconnect, which has been a blessing. But when we started to reconnect, he was asking for my help with fitness and got him on being able to enjoy his favorite foods in moderation while eating in a calorie deficit. He's lost 100 pounds. It's amazing. He looks phenomenal. He looks phenomenal. He feels great. Yeah. And I was just talking to him earlier today, and he was telling me he like he was able to eat cake and lasagna at our aunt and uncle's anniversary party, which. He, he was like, yeah, I had just, I put cake and lasagna on a plate and I had a good portion before he was either you eat the entire cake or none of it at all. And now he's like, listen, it's cool because now I know I can eat a little bit of it and it's not going to ruin any progress. Yeah, that's substantial. Whereas if you're doing keto or you're doing a juice cleanse or you're doing whatever, like you, if you can't sustain it forever, you are setting yourself up for failure now. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things I hate most when people are like, okay, well, I'm just going to do something outrageously restrictive to kickstart it. Oh. That's the phrase, kickstart. Oh, I'm yes. just going to kickstart my weight loss. Oh. I'm going to kickstart my metabolism, which 
you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> if you say you're kickstarting your metabolism. You don't need to kickstart. You anything. don't even know what your metabolism is if you're saying you're kickstarting your metabolism. Like you, if you don't even know what it is. So stop saying you're kickstarting your metabolism. And, and people, they'll do. I'm just gonna do something really restrictive, and then by some sorcery. I will know exactly how to sustain the results mm-hmm. I just got after doing something completely unsustainable. You know, I was I was kind of that person for some when I was doing yo-yo dieting. That's why I could never make any true progress. I I was telling myself I'll figure that out when I get there. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of people feel that way. It will be different this time. <laughs> I will lose weight. I'm restricted calories, whatever, lose the weight, and then I'll figure out how to It'll be different. It. You're right. It's going to be different, it's different this, time. this time. Yeah. Because I'm going to do it this time. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> it's not how it works. No. I, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it. Like, I, I don't even know if I can come up with a good one off the top of my head. I'm just thinking, like, that's sort of like saying, all right, I'm going to go on this racetrack, and I'm going to get this car up to 200 miles an hour. And then I'm going to learn how to control the car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't get up to 200 miles an hour and then learn. Like first you start driving and then you go a little bit faster, go a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. You don't just go pedal to the metal and go like all the way to the floor and then learn how to drive that car. You yeah. have to do it over time. It's the same thing with this. Like you have to do something sustainable to begin with and then progressively improve from there. You don't go to the most extreme and then tone it down. That yes. makes no sense. And and. St- I think there's a time and place to have maybe some rapid fat loss here or there, yes, whatever, yes. when it's planned appropriately, but the starting line is not the place. Correct. Yeah. Well, so, so actually, that's a good a good topic. To we could talk about rapid fat loss because I think there's a lot of misinformation about it. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing to talk about with rapid fat loss is, and this is actually what Mike and I are, are writing out in the book right now, is like talking about rapid fat loss. Um, it's not inherently bad. And there's actually a tremendous amount of research saying that like you can use it very positively in, in some populations. And if someone's in a someone's starting out very, very, very high body fat percentage, it actually makes sense for them to begin with a rapid phallus protocol and then transition out of it. The the issue here is this is specifically for the population who are starting at a very, very, very high body fat percentage, who they have real health implications. They do not believe in their ability to succeed. They've tried for years and years and years. Their self-efficacy, self-confidence is at like lower than most people could ever begin to imagine. And starting off with a brief rapid fat loss phase that allows them to enjoy their favorite foods. It's not a rapid fat loss phase that is a juice cleanse or right. a keto. It's a right. rapid fat loss phase that teaches them how to count calories, that teaches them that you can still enjoy your favorite foods, but it's a lower calorie, to, it's, a, it's a rapid fat loss phase a significantly lower calorie at the beginning because it's going to show them like you can actually do this right. you can succeed that's really the only population that i think should be messing with rapid phallus protocols yeah if you if you want to lose the last five to ten pounds whatever that means you shouldn't be doing a rapid phallus mm-hmm. protocol no no and i think you know or if you have like i want to fit into this dress in two weeks or w- oh whatever you know yeah. that kind of thing no <laughs> no i i i think for most people that's not the way to go Correct. It's just not the way to go. I think the population you described would be the population that could really benefit from it. And and everyone else, which is most people. Correct. Most people should go down a more sustainable way yes. of, of attacking everything. Yes. Okay, next question. This is a good one. Uh, what is the best way to combat gym anxiety? 
Oh boy, I've dealt with a bout of that this last week. Did you? <laughs> going to new oh, gyms. Oh, going to the new gym, yeah, yeah, yeah. From a different perspective. But I put on my Instagram, I feel you guys right now mm. because the butterflies and the anxiety in the stomach sitting mm. in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, going in, the new kid on the block and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But I'll say for, for most people, the anxiety, I think, stems from maybe you've never been in a gym. You don't know your way around. Um, and I always like to tell people this. Look, get your foot in the door. And if you're comfortable on the treadmill, go over to the treadmill and just do your thing on the treadmill. Get in the environment. Start to feel the vibe of your gym. Look around while you're walking. See what's happening over there. If that's the way to get you in the door, then do that. Um, and then when you want to get into the weight section, and if you're intimidated to do that, a couple things. I would say if you can hire somebody there at the gym to show you around for a handful of sessions, I would always recommend doing that. And or come in with a plan. Because I think most people get scared because they don't know what mm, to do. That's exactly right. They go in, and I've seen this in my gym. The, and, and this woman, I see her do this all the time. She walks in, she wanders, mm -hmm. so you can see she doesn't know what to do. She ends up over at the cable pull-down, mm -hmm. which is cool. Okay, she's doing lat pull-downs mm -hmm. in some weird variation, whatever. She's doing them, and then she'll do some bicep curls. And she does that maybe twice. And then she wanders and she leaves. Mm. And and that is the person who didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like if you have a plan in your hand, like literally, you paper and pencil people, this is it. Yep. Have it on paper. Um, or the and, Inner Circle app. Or the Inner Circle <laughs> app, which everyone is loving and using. Because what's cool about the app is you can click on the exercise and a video is going to pop up showing you exactly how to do it. Exactly. So when, when you have access to stuff like that, it's even better. But man, just have a plan. Know what you're going to do before you go. That yes. helps so much. Yeah, yeah. H having a workout plan. Again, going back to the plan, like what we spoke about first. Like, yeah. like you have having a plan helps. Mm -hmm. um, I think what, one of the major issues is people like they they want the fastest, they want the quickest, and so they just go in there and without a plan. Then they get like really overwhelmed, and they think people are looking at them and judging them. And it's worse and worse and worse. I've been I've been working in gyms, not just like in gyms. I've been working in gyms since I was fourteen, and I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that ninety nine percent of people in a gym at any given point in time have no clue what in the literal fuck they are talking about. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know what they're doing. Most people, I would say, probably ninety percent of people in there are equally as self conscious as you are. Like, and that, that's not a made up number. That's like, I think 90% of people in a gym are insecure and worried just like you are. Think about why so many people go to the gym because they're insecure with how they look. They yeah. want to look different. Yeah. Like that is like the gym is where insecure people go uh -huh. to try and improve themselves, that's where they all which gather. is amazing, yep. which is incredible. Like it's what a great yeah. place. Cause now you can be in there and instead of thinking like, oh my God, I'm the only one who's scared or insecure. It's like. Susan, you were just in your car with butterflies in your stomach. Like you're one of the most fit women I've ever seen in my life. And people probably look at you and be like, there's no way that woman's insecure or worried. It's like, we all struggle with it. All of us, every single one of us. We do. And for, and maybe for different reasons, you know, I mean, but it was real. Yeah. It's real. And, um, you know, luckily I had a plan and I walked in and I did my plan. Right. And, and I think that is key is knowing what you're going to do before you walk in the door. And that may mean sitting down with what you're going to do yes. and reviewing it. Yes. And if there are videos, review those before you walk in as a last-minute kind of reminder. 
and then go do your thing. Don't yeah. let anybody else in there keep you from doing what you want to do. Yeah. You know, it's sort of to, to stack onto that, let, let's just say you're using the Inner Circle app, which has amazing workouts and all this stuff and exercise video tutorials, and not just the exercise video tutorials that are like five-second long GIFs that just show you what yeah. the tech Like no. These are in-depth, yeah. like as though you're getting one-on-one -on -one coaching from Susan and myself explaining exactly how to do the movement, where to feel it, the common mistakes, blah, blah. Let's say you're using the Inner Circle app, and, uh, and you know what workout you're going to do. First and foremost, before you go to the gym, watch all the videos so you know exactly what the workout is going to be. So go through the entire workout before you go to the gym, look at all the videos so you know what the technique is, and decide ahead of time how much weight you're going to use mm -hmm. for each exercise. This is very important. And as you go and get more and more accustomed to it, the weight that you use, you'll, you'll have a better understanding of how much weight to use. For the first time, feel free to just use your own body weight. Like, don't add any extra weight. Just get comfortable being in the gym, doing the movements, practicing the technique. Maybe start off with like five or 10 pounds, very light weights. The, the goal isn't to max out and to lift as heavy as possible early, early on. The goal is if you're having gym anxiety, to get rid of that gym anxiety and feel confident in there. Yeah. So just go in, make sure you watch the work, look at the whole workout beforehand, watch all the exercise technique videos, and rather than being like, oh, well, how much weight should I use for this exercise or for this exercise, just start with five pounds. Mm -hmm. Just five pounds for the whole workout. You're gonna go through the whole workout. You're not really gonna be sore probably the next day, maybe a little bit depending on your current fitness level, but at least you're gonna have, have it the whole thing done. You're gonna know exactly how the workout flows. You're gonna know where all the equipment is in the gym, and you're gonna feel more confident the next time you go in to increase the weight. Have all of that laid out before you go. It'll take, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes Maybe. max before mm -hmm. we work out. If you're a brand new beginner, if you're more intermediate to advanced, then it will take, you don't even need to do that. Like you just go in and do it. You look at the exercise, get it done. But if you really wanna combat the gym anxiety, know what you're doing before you go in there. Get a plan. I don't care if you get the plan off Google. I don't care what you do, but have your plan. And then also remember, everyone there is insecure. There's a small percentage of people who are in there who are obnoxious, right? They're like, they're, every gym they're has an everywhere. asshole. Every gym has mm -hmm. an asshole or a pair of assholes. Um, and it sucks and it's annoying. Um, what's funny is, I mean, I remember, like, I'm a small guy. I'm small. I was. I, like I've always been small. I, early on in my my when I was a kid, it was very easy for kids to try and pick on me. And I remember like the first time I picked this kid up and slammed him, like because I started wrestling really young. First time I picked him up and slammed him on the ground, no one ever messed with me ever again. Yep. Now I'm not telling you go to the gym asshole <laughs> and pick him up and slam him in the squat rack, but I am saying is usually these bullies they will only bully you if you let them. Mm -hmm. So it's funny like I've gone into the gym and have people have had people just be obnoxious to me, and like I'll just be like, hey, shut the fuck up, just very. Just, I have no problem saying that to someone in the gym if they're being obnoxious. And usually, they'll tuck their tail in between their legs and walk away. Yep. That's it. Yep. Like, feel free to stand up for yourself. It's totally fine. Like, if I if I see someone leaving weights all over the gym, I'd be like, hey. Oh, yeah. Clean up your weights. Like, yeah. your mom doesn't work here. Yeah. Right? It's like, let's yeah. go. Yeah. So it's usually, if people are being an asshole, which, again, tiny percentage, tiny percentage of the people, most of the people are very encouraging and supportive and, uh, and they're worried about what you think of them. Mm -hmm. But if there is that one asshole there, Who let them know what's up. Yeah. Just tell them, to, tell them to screw off yeah, and they'll, they'll be gone. They will be gone. You know, and j just one last thing on this. If you're that person that's struggling with gym anxiety right now, instead of focusing on your anxiety in the current moment, think about how good you're gonna feel on the opposite end of this mm. after you've been there. Yep. Um, because that feeling is gonna be 
indescribable. You're going to feel like you're on top of the world that you went in there and did it, you know? And so focus on what it's going to feel like when you're done. Yeah. I think that will help a lot. Yeah, it, it's the the term for it is called consequential thinking, and it's super important, right? Like if you're struggling with gym anxiety in this moment and you're justifying not going to the gym because you're nervous about what some asshole might say, then you'll very easily convince yourself not to go because you're thinking about what's going on right now, about mm-hmm. that fear. But if instead you think about how happy and proud of yourself you'll be if you do go to the gym regardless of who is there, regardless of whether or not some, some asshole is there, well, then now you're more likely to go because you're consequentially thinking about what will happen in the future if you do what you know is right. Yeah. And you know if you've got kids, I guarantee you will be more proud to tell your child that you went to the gym doing what you know is right rather than not going to the gym out of a fear that some asshole is going to be there. I guarantee the advice you give your kid would be to do it anyway and not let anyone else get in your way. It's like, take your own advice. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Uh, Okay, next question. We get this one a lot. Uh, Are inner circle workouts okay for at home if uh, if you just have dumbbells or if you have no equipment whatsoever? Yeah. Oh, you know, we, we've, since in the last year and a half, have really focused on that piece yeah. just because of everyone's gym situations. And so, yes, I mean, we have a significant number of workouts that require either no equipment whatsoever yeah. or minimal equipment. It could be just as minimal as a pair of dumbbells to, to get you through. So, and then a little bit in between. So, and I will say this. Many of the gym workouts are very easily modified for yes. at home. They yeah. really are. I mean, people get a little overwhelmed with that, but um, it's you know anything that is programmed with a barbell can be done with dumbbells or kettlebell or something like that at home. And anything that's programmed with a cable can be. You, if you have bands, you can be creative and use bands at home. So there's ways to modify even the gym workouts. But if you don't want to do that, if it's just too much, well then yeah that. I think the three-month body weight yeah. uh, workout program is insanely hard. Yeah, that it's people often hear body weight and they think, oh, that's going to be easy. No, no, no. Remember, gymnasts, elite high-level gymnasts who are insanely strong and super defined, they almost exclusively train with body weight. Like they're not lifting tons and tons and tons of weights. You can make incredible progress just with body weight. And we made this program right at the beginning of the pandemic when people were out of their gyms, this is no joke of a program. Mm -hmm. The cool thing is you can modify it if you're a brand new beginner or if you're very highly advanced. So it will be difficult no matter who you are, but it will be easily modifiable for what you need. But it's a three month body weight only training program. That is just, it's, (laughs) if you think body weight programs are easy, challenge you to give this one a shot because it will very quickly humble you to say the least a hundred percent we have an entire dumbbell only workout program uh as of right now that's one month but actually this today we're finishing it so we're going to make it a three-month program so if you only have dumbbells we have a dumbbell only workout program for you as well uh and then like susan said all of the all of the workouts are easily modifiable to fit whatever Mm -hmm. you need yeah uh susan what do you tell your clients or inner circle members who are not motivated you know, we were talking about this earlier, how I feel like, uh, you know, there, there's a sense that there's some little magic pill or magic dust that can be thrown on this and that will make it all better, mm-hmm. right? And, and the discussion that we have w- with Inner Circle members and, and just everyone out there is, is just, if you sit back and wait to be motivated to do anything, 
whether it's working out or doing your nutrition, whatever, or you know, running your errands that you have to do. I mean, if you sit back and wait to be motivated to do that, you're going to be sitting around forever. Yep. Um, and I think that, I mean, I think we, I inherently would wait to be motivated for things way back to it. So I kind of get it. But what's been fascinating to see with clients and with ourselves too is motivation starts kicking in. If you just start taking action, mm-hmm. even if it's a little baby something, you know, it, you don't have to change the world with your action, but you do something, something. That something maybe turns into a little bit more of a something and you start getting on a roll. And mm. that's, once you get on a roll, you might start feeling better. Maybe your joints don't hurt as much. Maybe um, you're sleeping better. Results start to come in. And when that happens, you start feeling like, oh, I'm gonna do this. You take more initiative and you go. And then you're on the train. You know, yeah. you're, you're on that train. It's just that people sit back and wait. And man, you're not motivated all the time. I sure as hell ain't motivated all the time. I don't know anyone that is. No one is. I mean, we all struggle with this. Motivation is an emotion. Yes. It's like no one in their right mind would say like, all right, you should just be happy all the time or you'll be sad all the time or you'll be angry or jealous or, or overjoyed. Like it's an emotion. Emotions are fleeting. Yeah. Emotions are fickle. They do not last forever. That's why habits are so important. It's why you need to establish a habit and a routine for what you're doing. For me, like the, the question was like, what do you tell your clients or inner circle members? And you know, I think my approach has changed a lot over the years as I've as I've grown as a coach. Earlier on, I I I, <laughs> I was so intent on helping people that I think I actually enabled them to not reach their potential mm-hmm. by being a little bit too soft. Mm-hmm. Me too. Right? Exactly. Where, because like when you, especially when you first start coaching, like when you get into coaching because you love coaching, it's like you want to help people. And it was, it was a difficult process because I never want to hurt someone's feelings, ever. I never want to hurt someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel good. I've felt, I've always felt uncomfortable with doing that. And so I was always early on just erring on the side of being too soft rather than sort of laying down the hammer a little bit and giving them some tough love when they needed it. Mm-hmm. But then one of the things that really changed it was I thought about my mom, right? And my mom, she was strict. Like she was strict growing up. And I think back and have about how much I appreciate it now. Like I hated it when I was younger, but I really appreciate how she raised me because she didn't let me screw around. Like she really held me to, to be the best that I possibly could. Um, and she showed me love at, at every every turn, but sometimes her showing me love was not letting me use any excuse to, to not work hard, Yeah. right? And, and I think with motivation, like one of, the, one of the funny examples that I use is like, let's say you've got a kid, comes home from school, has a lot of homework to do, and your kid looks you in the face and says, you know what? I'm not really motivated to do this you'd probably look at your kid and say, tough shit, Charlie. Like, do your homework. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're motivated to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not motivated to go to work. I'm not motivated to do this, but I do it because I have to. And I think this is one of the things where if you have this idea that you're just supposed to be motivated, then you're not going to do anything because you have this false idea that motivation is a prerequisite 
to action. Mm -hmm. That is incorrect. Motivation is not a prerequisite to action. If you happen to be motivated at some point, wonderful. If you happen to have, it's like if you happen to be happy at one point, great. But like you just be, I I, I haven't thought about like this before. I'm going to see if this works out when I phrase it this way. Imagine if you were only nice to people if you were happy, right? It's like if I go get a coffee and I'm in a really bad mood, what if I was just mean to everybody simply because I was in a bad mood? I would be an asshole. Mm -hmm. But just because you're in a bad mood doesn't mean you can be mean to the person serving you coffee. Just because you're in a bad mood doesn't mean you should slam the door in front of someone and not hold it open for them. Just because you're in a bad mood doesn't mean that you shouldn't do what is right to other people that you're interacting with. Same thing with motivation. Just because you're not motivated doesn't mean you shouldn't eat well. Just because you're not motivated doesn't mean you shouldn't work out. You should still do it even if that emotion isn't there. And so if you keep thinking that you're only going to be motivated when that emotion is there, you are screwing yourself over, which is so going back to what do I tell inner circle members or clients? It's like you are not going to be motivated all the time. In fact, I would say for maybe for every 10 workouts, you might be motivated for two of them. Just to be like mm-hmm. honest, like I'm not motivated for more than two to three workouts out of every 10, but I know for a fact I will be happier when I'm done. Mm-hmm. You'll feel better, all the things. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, everything. yeah. I, it's, it's just a, you have to push through the friction because there's friction here, like keeping you from doing what you know you need to do, right? And um, there's, you know, it's tough love time here. It, you have to push through it, take action anyway. Yes. In spite of feeling that way. Because if you don't, you're just going to sit there and you're going to feel miserable. And then it's just, it's just going to spiral and spiral and spiral. And, and I think you brought up a good point. It's like, it's just do something. You don't have to change the world with your action. So practically, if you're starting from nothing, like schedule a five-minute walk to do every day. I, this happened to me last week. My heels were dug in. I don't know. I was just feeling eh, about doing anything. Yeah. I, I was aware of it. I felt the wall in front of me. I didn't, and I, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I went outside and I walked for five minutes and everything just changed. Yeah, we did it before this podcast. We, we did. just went outside and went on a walk. We were just like, a little bit blah. Yeah, yeah. just go on a walk. And, yeah. and when, you, when you start from nothing and then you go out of your way to schedule a time to do something that you don't want to do, even if it's only five minutes, people are like, oh, really, five minutes? It's not going to make a difference. If you say five minutes of walking won't make a difference, you're thinking five minutes of walking isn't going to get you the instant results that you want to lose <laughs> 75 pounds in that five minutes. No, yeah. of course not. Right. But it's not about what's going to happen in those five minutes. It's about the, the new connections that your brain is making to form these new habits to do things that you might not want to do when you aren't motivated. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's about starting the new habits that will lead to something else. That how that five minutes will eventually turn to ten. That ten will eventually turn to thirty. That thirty will eventually turn into a couple days a week of strength training. It's not about what you'll get from that one walking session. It's about what you will do from a habitual perspective to make that Im- improvement in your life. Yeah. It's one of the stepping stones. Yeah. Yep. This podcast is good. Yeah. This is a good one. I'm like, walking. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> Susan, do you use pre-workout? Yes, I haven't recently. I'm newer to the pre-workout game. <laughs> um, like, I started really using it several months ago, and I f- I found it fascinating. To be honest, I would I would use it not every workout. Uh, you know, I would like alternate workouts just to see, um, and and then do that same workout the next week without, yep. and just started comparing notes or whatever. I did see some extra little oomph. Um, on the days that I did take it. Um, 
I haven't taken it recently though, and I, I just for no no reason at all. I just I'm usually in a hurry and I go and I'm like, oh crap, I didn't take it. But um, I have found that it has been helpful. I don't think it has changed anything for me dramatically. Like mm. I feel like I can work out now, and the, my last week of workouts was fantastic. So I feel like. Uh, I could go either way. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of neutral about it. I mean, I think it's kind of cool to try. I think yeah. everyone should give it a which, shot. Which one have you used? I did Legion's um, Pulse. Pulse. Do you remember yeah. the flavor or no? Um, I did, there. It was a blue raspberry. Blue raspberry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I like blue raspberry. We we're, we just reordered some more stuff from them um, for uh, in, in two things of Pulse. Um, and I tried the stem and one without. I mean, I didn't notice anything really different with those necessarily, the, those varieties. But in general, yeah, I think it did help a little bit. Yeah. I, I like pre-workout. I really try and save it for the days that I need it, right? Like I know there are some people who use it before every workout. I think it's a bad idea. Not from a health perspective. Like I'm not worried about it. Like if you have high blood pressure, I wouldn't recommend just cranking up the, the pre-workout. I don't think that'd be a smart idea. But assuming you're healthy already i don't like the idea of relying on something in order to like get a workout i don't like that idea because then what happens when you don't have it mm-hmm. what happens like I, I don't like the idea of you relying on something that you don't have within you right it's like if you got a t-shirt and shorts on you should be able to walk into the gym and work out yeah like just that's it yeah i like don't you don't need all this equipment you don't need these fa- this fancy gear got a t-shirt and short on cool go work out you're good um, but if you are, if you, if you have pre-workout, which I do, and I actually really enjoy it, I save it for the times in which I am just like, I don't want to go to the gym. Yeah. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll take it. And then like, usually what will happen is I'm lying on my couch watching the office, which is a really good bet for almost any point in the day is like, I'm probably just watching the office <laughs> if I'm bored. So if I, if I know I have to get a workout in and it's one of, you know, one of those workouts where I am just dreading it, I'll go take some pre-workout, usually only half a scoop. I don't even take the whole scoop usually. Just take half a scoop. I'll go lie back down on the couch. I'll watch The Office and all of a sudden I'll start to feel it just yeah. a little bit. And, yeah. and as soon as I start to feel it, you, you know, it's funny. Usually the start to feel it is I got to poop. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it gets things going. Yep. It's like I'll be. Oh, okay. Then I'll go to the bathroom and and then I'll be like, cool, ready to go. Let's go. And it's funny. It's like I don't rely on it all the time, but I do like it for that. Where if there's occasionally a time, several, maybe probably like three to four workouts in ten. Right, like three mm-hmm. to three to four mm-hmm. workouts in ten. Right, so so using the the ten figure from before, I said maybe only two workouts. I'm like really motivated to do. And then there's another like what like two or three workouts where maybe like four workouts where I'm not motivated to do it, but I'm not dreading it. Like cool, I'm gonna get it in. Yeah. And then there are another like three or four workouts where I'm like, all right, I I'm gonna have to use this pre workout. So like that's a pretty normal distribution. I think so too. Right. Yeah. Um. So two that I'm super excited about, two or three that I'm super excited about. Then there are like three or four that I'll just do just because like that's my habit. I do it. I'm not super pumped, but I'm not really against it. And then like three or four where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take some pre workout. That generally for me it was leg day. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if I know I'm deadlifting heavy, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. because leg day is just super hard for me. Um, although I've grown to really like leg day, I found that that helped me more on leg day than it did when I was doing upper body. Because you love upper body more. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a total. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I I use Legion. We we both use Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I. 
I blue raspberry I use, but I recently tried their tropical punch. Mm, we ordered that. It's so good. Amazing. It's That's good. Like I was blown away at how good that tastes. I for whatever it's worth, I don't know if it has I don't think it's anything with the with the makeup of the formula, but the blue raspberry I feel more. Like mm. I like I get more razzed from the blue raspberry. I get mm. more razzed up from it. Whereas the tropical punch, it tastes amazing, mm. but I don't notice as much of a of like a oomph to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, actually, if you want, if you want to try Legion supplements, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, you can get 20% off your first order. Uh, and I actually did an entire podcast with the owner of Legion, Mike Matthews. That's a couple of podcasts down below this one. It's all about supplements and the science behind them if you'd like to listen to that. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, next question. These are some really good questions. Mm-hmm. Susan, what would your last meal be? Oh, dear. This is tough. It would include French fries. That, oh, That it okay. would include a lot. What kind of French fries? Probably McDonald's, to be Oh, honest. my God. McDonald's French fries They're are the, the best, best, right? They are the best. They are the best. Right, like, fresh, hot. Oh, yeah. And I would get, like, a, a ton of the supersized whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, if this yeah. is the last meal, I'm Just going for Just a bucket. I, that's yeah. probably mostly what I would eat. But I would also want a really good filet. Mignon. Oh, okay. And I would also want a lot of roasted Brussels. How do you cook your filet? Um, I I'm usually medium rare, medium. That's yeah. where I like it, kind of nice. like like there. Um, like one of the best filets I've ever had. I got at Ruth's Chris. I think. Oh yeah, they're so good. Oh my, they're so god. Good. They come sizzling to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, I could do that and some McDonald's fries. I'd be a happy girl. <laughs> I love that. That's a uh, yes. Steak frites, right? Yeah, it's right. Like, That's it, man. <laughs> Ruth's Chris steak yeah. with uh, McDonald's fries. I don't yeah. know why everyone doesn't just make fries like McDonald's. I don't either. I don't get it. They are so good. They are far and away the best fries in the world. Without question. Without question. There was debate years ago about Burger King fries. And it's like, they're not, they're no. not even close. What? They're not even close. No. Burger King is the worst. No. They're not even close. No. McDonald's fries. I, I think the best fast food chain, I would probably have to put it on Chick-fil-A. I think like, they just have the best food. Mm-hmm. Um, also, severely underrated, Arby's. Yeah, you know, and we don't, I'm trying to think of the closest Arby's to my house. I think they're, I just don't know where it is. Yeah. They kind of blew, dried up a little they bit. They did. And then did. I hear they're coming back. I've seen a couple Arby's I've been to them, like, they give you a lot of meat. Like, like roast beef. Roast sam- beef, right? like really thick the roast, roast beef sandwiches. The roast beef sandwiches were amazing. They're so good. And the buns were like buttered, and yeah. co- right? Do they still do that? Yeah. That was fantastic. Really underrated. <laughs> um, so my, was, my last meal... It would be pizza. Mm-hmm. It would, be, yeah, it would be pepperoni pizza and also McDonald's fries. <laughs> I might just put the fries on top, top of, of the pizza. pizza. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. cool. I like. I'm just. I'm such a pizza nut. I love pizza. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I'm going to eat when I'm done with this after the competition. Get a yep. stuffed crust pizza, pepperoni. Yeah, I'm absolutely. So, someone actually just asked. I, I have to bring this up. Someone asked on my Q and A. They were like. How come uh, you say that you can eat pizza while you're losing fat, so why aren't you doing it? It's like, first and foremost, I ate a Big Mac every single day for 30 days while losing weight yeah. in a previous experiment. The This cut is different because it's for a competition that I ha- – I'm not just losing weight to lose weight. Like, I didn't even want to lose weight. Like, I'm going to regain the weight because I prefer being at a slightly higher body fat. The only reason I'm losing weight for this cut is to be able to compete at this weight class in this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition. That is it. And because I started 
literally today is day 30. So literally 30 days ago, I had to lose 10 pounds. Today was 10 pounds down. Um, Because it had to happen so quickly, I had to reduce my calories more strictly and more severely in order to make weight for the competition. This is not a lifestyle cut. Mm-hmm. This isn't like a weight cut because like I need to improve my health or because I want to sustain this lower body fat. I very much deliberately plan to gain that weight back. I feel better, higher body fat. I just do. And you've been uh, upfront about all of this the yeah, whole way. Yeah. So it's it's not that I can't eat the pizza now. It's that if I'm trying to make weight for a competition in 30 days and you have a significant amount of weight to lose, you've got to be more strict. You've got to be more strict. You've got to make some sacrifices along the way for a specific purpose. Yeah. People don't like hearing that they have to make sacrifices. No, right? They what don't it, like it. No, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, it's it's not... People that, are really averse to that nowadays. Yeah. Like People don't like hearing that like, Wait, you're telling me I've got to put in work? Like, yeah. What is that? I have to restrict something? Yeah, it's like, what are, come on. Um, let's see if there's, there's one more. We're almost an hour in. Let's see. Uh, okay, here's a good one to end on. Um, how do you know if you're in a calorie deficit if you don't count your calories? That's a great question. Um, first, I think it will be harder to know. That's right. <clears throat> it's going to be harder to know. Uh, and so choose wisely on that. Um, this is where you're going to want to take measurements religiously every two weeks and monitor your progress with that. Um, monitor energy levels. It's, it's, it's going to be biofeedback stuff, a lot of that. Um, so energy levels, how are you sleeping? Um, how are your workouts? I've had a lot of people talk to me about lack of energy for their workouts. Mm-hmm. And then we come to find out their deficits like way too low and we, and we need to adjust that. But it's a lot harder to know, really know. Um, and so, yeah, if you are not counting because you just don't want to, I would say there's that wall of friction right yeah. there, right? Yep. It's that wall of friction. It's not as hard as you think. Uh, and it would be well worth your time and effort to learn this so that the days can come where you can eat without tracking and be able to maintain your weight. You will have the power then to eat a little less and lose or eat a little more and gain. And you know, the education piece of counting is so beneficial that I don't see reasons for the vast majority of people to not count. Correct. I mean, there's no reason. So I'm gonna make this as simple as I possibly can. Um, Number one is, Asking the question, how do you know if you're in a calorie deficit if you don't count calories, is sort of like asking, how do you know if you're saving money in your bank account if you never check your bank account? Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. how do you know if you're saving money if you don't check your, your statements? Yeah. You don't. You, you don't. You have to check to see if... Now, you have to log in and check. You have to log in. Mm-hmm. You got to check. You got to see, okay, how much money do I have coming in? How much money am I putting out every month? Okay, I'm spending way too much on this. It's like, you won't know unless you check. Now, the difference here is... There are other ways to check to see if, so because here you have to remember, if you're in a calorie deficit deliberately, the goal is fat loss. And there are markers you can use to see if you're losing fat. So one of them being the scale. You don't necessarily have to count your calories, but check the scale Mm -hmm. and weigh yourself and, and compare it month to month. 
We have a brand new weight tracker app in the Inner Circle that tells you is your weight trending downwards or not. If your weight is not trending downwards over time, over the at least 30, 60, 90 days, then you're not in a calorie deficit consistently. If your weight is trending downwards, even if you're not counting calories, then you're in a calorie deficit yeah. for sure. And it's not in a single day or a week, it's over a month, two months, three months of consistency that you can start to see this weight trend. Um, are your clothes fitting? Are, are they getting more loose? Are your pants getting more loose? Is your belt, can you fit it in another belt hole? Like these are all signs that you're in a calorie deficit because you're losing body fat. So you don't need to count your calories, but if you are counting your calories, you give yourself the opportunity to be more aware and conscious of how much you're eating, which gives you the opportunity to be more accurate with whether or not you're in one. Um, you're more informed. You're more informed, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so do you need to count your calories? No. Are there many people in the inner circle who don't count their calories? Absolutely. I don't count my calories at this point, but I spent several years counting my calories, so I got yeah. to the point where I can eyeball a plate of food and probably within 50 calories know how much is on it. Same here. Same here. So uh, if you want, if, if you're steadfast and, and like there's no way I'm going to count my calories, number one, I'd say that's something to examine. Like why are you so so uh, steadfast in that belief and unwilling to try something else? But if, if you are steadfast in that and you're not going to do it, look for the markers of progress that a calorie deficit would produce decreased weight over time, uh, um, smaller pant size, uh, belt fitting better, uh, look, taking progress pictures, looking at those over time. Do the exact same things that you would do if you were counting. Just analyze your progress. But for whatever it's worth, I think it's a little bit harder, and you have to be much more. If you're not going to count your calories, still have to make a plan. Calories are a ready-made plan. Mm -hmm. These are this is how much I'm going to eat today. That's why I love the three plates, two snacks rule, because it gives you a plan to follow, a portion control to follow each and every day. If you're just going into each and every day without a plan of what or how much you're going to eat, whether it's counting calories or not, you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage. A hundred percent. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Yeah. That ends up being the issue, I think. So that's where we're going to end it. Uh, if you'd like to join the Inner Circle for 10% off, you can do that at the link in the show notes. Uh, use the code ANNIVERSARY10 on the website. Uh, you, when you go to check out, you put ANNIVERSARY10 in the coupon code section. You'll get 10% off. This deal ends this week, at the end of this week. So I know, I guarantee there are going to be people emailing yeah. Monday, Tuesday. Oh, I missed it. I missed it. Nope. No, get on it now. That's it. Uh, that's it. And once, once it's over, it's over. So Sunday night, it's going to be over. Um, but with that said... Susan, thank you so much. Thank you. Do you this want to tell great. everyone where they can follow you? Yeah, Susan Nieber Golf Fitness on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere. And uh, my book is called Fit at Any Age. It's never too late on Amazon. Amazing. All right. Have a wonderful day. Leave a five-star review, please. They've been helping a lot. And we'll talk to you soon.